minimalists. <laughs> P.S. Ryan, we have three more questions from our Patreon community. Hello, Patreon community. Thanks so much for supporting us. We really, we really, really appreciate it. Our first question is from Hobby Baker. Hobby asks. What are some good ways to fight the urge to buy something just because it's new or looks good? Mm. Jordan, can you hand me my computer? I'm going to read from this new essay that we have on our website. It's called How to Go Clothes Shopping. Mm-hmm. And because uh, I think this will be applicable to buying anything, really, right? Because what was what he talking about? Mm. Buying something just because it's new or looks good. And one of the things we do that with most frequently our clothes, right? Yeah, we yeah. see it on a mannequin or or a model in a catalog or something, and you're like, oh, that that would look great on me. Right. So just go to theminimalists.com slash closet, and we'll pull this up here. This is how to go clothes shopping, and then we'll talk about it. The average American tosses 88 pounds of clothes each year. That's crazy. Yet we keep buying more when we actually need less pull any article of clothing from the back of your closet the bottom of your dresser the bin in your basement when's the last time you wore it last month last year last decade whenever i feel the urge to hit the mall to go clothes shopping i head to my closet instead to try on the clothes i already own amen am i unhappy with this shirt these pants those sunglasses if so why do i still own them and if i am in fact satisfied why do i feel the need to acquire more and that's what hobby baker is saying here why do i feel the need to acquire more Mm. am i trying to to fulfill a need that doesn't exist think so the lore of consumerism is real most objects appear more fashionable more necessary more urgent when they're on a mannequin model or retail display but the clothes in your closet serve the same purpose cover warmth style every time i go shopping in my own closet i'm inspired by the results either i find an item i forgot i owned and start wearing it again Or I stumble across that oversized orange sweatshirt I'm eager to donate. Either way, my checking account is grateful. Then, whenever I genuinely need something new, I feel good about my purchase because I ask the right questions, which we'll talk about that. There's five different questions to ask yourself when purchasing a new item. And because I'm meeting a material need, not a primal impulse. So, Ryan, don't you think the same is true with most of the things we own? Like, if we see that that shiny car that we want, it's mm-hmm. either new. Was he, what, what did he say? It's either new or looks good. Well, in that case, it might be both. Yeah. And by the way, any even used items are new to you, right? So yeah. it feels like oh, I'm inadequate because I don't have that thing. And so the questions I asked in this essay here are: Am I trying to fulfill a need that doesn't exist? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of times these desires come out because we feel incomplete. So like biting my nails, for example, mm-hmm. like right now I've got this hangnail yeah. that like, I just want to, just a little piece. I just want to get it real quick. Uh-huh. And every time I do that, there's like this feeling of like, I'm a little bit more polished. Uh-huh. Or if I got like a long eyebrow hair, I'll be like, ah, oh, got it. 
Yeah. I feel a little bit more polished. I feel like I've just, I've just literally have gotten a hair more polished. <laughs> I've just gotten a hangnail more polished. And I, and I think these, these feelings of inadequacy, they lead towards tendencies like shopping uh-huh. because you do get a temporary high from shopping right so when i look at biting my nails for example you know i look at like what am I, it's usually when i get nervous it's when i have anxiety it's when for some reason when i concentrate mm. when i'm watching movies it's the worst i don't know why but there, there's something there that that uh makes me you know kind of act out like that but what i'm getting at is is like if you want to stop buying new shiny things you have to get to the root of why is it that you feel incomplete and how can you feel complete without spending money, um, or or it, maybe it's raising your standards? Maybe it's maybe it's reevaluating your your values and beliefs. I don't know, mm. but but usually when we are doing things like that, it's because there's some there's something incomplete in us that that we're trying to fill. Yeah. So let's let's talk about buying a new thing. Here are the five questions that I ask myself. Ryan and I have this on our website. It's called Five Questions Worth Asking Before Buying. Before committing to the next purchase, ask yourself five questions. Number one, can I afford to part with this money? If you're putting it on a credit card, you can't afford it. You're broke. Yes. And there's a difference between being poor and being broke. I know a lot of rich people who are broke. Yep. I know a lot of poor people who aren't broke. Yeah, absolutely. So keep that in mind. Can uh, second question is here here is can I pay the actual cost? Remember, the true cost of a thing stretches far beyond the price tag. Yeah, let's say I went and bought a boat. Yes. I mean, yeah, maybe I spent 35,000 bucks on a sweet wakeboarding boat. Uh-huh. But there's so much more cost than just that initial 35,000 bucks. Yeah, you have to put gas in it, you have to clean it, you have to store it, there's a docking fee, Mm -hmm. and then it's going to take up your time, you're going to be worrying about the thing, is someone going to steal it, there's a psychological cost It's going to break down, going to have to fix it eventually. Yeah, the the repair cost, do they have oil, changing the oil of the thing? Uh, No. Yeah, okay. But but uh, but but I mean yeah, but I mean to your point though, I mean there are other things you have to change on a regular basis. There's maintenance. Absolutely. So what is the maintenance of the thing? All of these additional costs that go on into a thing, and it doesn't mean just a boat or a car. Mm-hmm. Every little thing, every widget that you buy has some a call some cost associated with it. Even the space it takes up. That is a cost because we, we in fact we were uh, we were speaking yesterday. We went out and had this uh, speaking gig in Chicago and um, we were talking to these these folks in a, who lived in a tiny house out there Mm -hmm. and they're like man like i can't afford to bring presents in from a from a family member like i literally Mm -hmm. don't have the space i would have to buy a storage locker in order to house the gifts they get me Mm -hmm. and so there's another cost there. I had to go spend a hundred dollars a month in order to store your gift. Yeah, and so so think about it that way. Accumulating these new things takes up this additional space as well. The third question you asked, they were. I was I was gonna say, man, they are the uh, they were the calmest people at that event. Oh, totally. I don't know if you realize that or not, man, but they were like, you know, some people like like Leo Babauta is like the the extreme example of this. Where like as soon as you're around Leo, like you have no choice but to be a little bit calmer. Uh, I, the thing I wrote about him is like there's this essay on our website from a long time ago uh, that talks about avoiding the tyranny of cool. Mm. And he's like the coolest person I know because he doesn't ever try to be cool. Right. He doesn't try to be fashionable. He doesn't try to be trendy. He there, There's a, a literal like 
calmness that leads to this and how do you do it with six kids yeah he's the most calm person i know and he has six kids yeah it's crazy it's beautiful man yeah it's so wonderful and he's so attentive and he listens like he is he's like traditional cool man yeah he's not trying to impress you with his haircut or with uh the cut of his jeans or something like that. <laughs> or the cut of his jib. I don't know what that means. Not me either. <laughs> <laughs> the third question you're going to ask yourself when uh, making a new purchase is, will it add value to my life? So it must serve a purpose or bring joy. Otherwise, it does not add value. The fourth question is, what are the alternatives? That's an important question because, it is. in other words, what's is this the best use of that money, right? If not, then use the money elsewhere. Yeah. Right? Because you might look at something and say, yes, this will add value to my life. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can afford the actual cost. Yes, I can afford to part I can afford to part with this money. But is this the best use of this money? Yeah, that's so true, man. Because uh, we were having this talk yesterday on the airplane where I was telling you how um you know, we got Jordan a MacBook for video and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like I have this black case on my MacBook. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that is I would, years old. That's years old. I would love for my my laptop to just be black, though. Uh-huh. And uh, the new ones they they offer this black. Uh-huh. And when I saw Jordans, I was like, oh man, I want a new laptop. Look how new and shiny. Look how it new is. and shiny it is. And I wouldn't even have to have a case to make it black. Like it's just it comes black. Yeah. And 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 that I had to ask myself, like, can we afford it? Sure, we can afford it. Uh, it's a write-off, you know. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but but ultimately, th- that's not the best use of our resources. Right. Um, there it, are alternatives w- that I can do with this money. Yes, absolutely. And the last question to ask yourself is, uh, and this is actually the final question that helps you out with the MacBook thing: Can I get by without it for a while? Yeah. Now, eventually, there will be a time where you'll have to replace your laptop. Maybe it's a year from now. Maybe it's ten years from now. Yeah. I don't know. Um, because but right now it works great. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just not yeah. It's, it does everything I needed to do. It does more than what I needed to do. What you needed to do. Now, if Jordan had your laptop, it may not do everything he no, needs to do. No, that's why we had to get stuff. him the laptop we got him. Yeah, we had to buy him a, a, a new one because his old, old MacBook wouldn't work for what he was doing, right? Yeah, yeah. And so the question is, can I get by without it for a while? If so, wait. Who knows? Maybe a day of contemplation will help you realize you no longer want the thing you wanted. Yeah. And you can also see the 30-30 rule there. We'll put a link to that in the Patreon show notes. Our next question is from Emma. Emma says, they say some people have addictive personalities. Do you think that's true? And is it something they should work to change in themselves? Yeah. So, of course, people have... I have an addictive personality. I do, too. Um, To me, it's not about changing... Because I can't change it. There's no... I mean, it is... It's impossible for me to just... Uh, uh, to just wake up one morning, or it's maybe it's a poor, maybe it's not impossible, but it's a poor expectation for me to expect to wake up one morning mm-hmm. and to not have an addictive personality. Anymore. So it has to do with changing the behaviors, then, right? Right. It's recognizing that I have an addictive personality, and what are things that I can do to to uh, uh, to not. Um, enable that addictive personality that I have. And I, for me, I, I, I know with Bex, my, my partner, she is the least addictive person I know. She is like a paragon of moderation. <laughs> like you look up moderation, it's just like a picture of her um, having half a cup of coffee or something. Um, and, and 
what I've realized is like, yeah, there's some people who don't have that addictive personality. I don't know mm. if it's if it's genetic. I don't know if it's a gene thing or has to do with your DNA or mm. I don't know what it is. But there are people like you and me. Maybe it's it's our upbringing. I, I mean, there there is sci- both, right? there are scientific studies that show that there are uh, there are genes that you can have that do make you have more of an addictive personality. It is like Wranglers or yeah. Yeah. No Levi's. Oh, well avoid Levi's. <laughs> but you mom. know, your parents pass on some genes that, I mean, <laughs> dude, when I think of my mom and dad, super addictive personalities. And I think about my, my both, both of my grandfathers, super addictive personalities. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it just keeps getting passed down mm-hmm. from generation to generation. So you shouldn't have kids is what you're saying. Exactly. No, no. So it's, for me, it's about um, just finding ways to overcome uh, that need to be addicted to something. Moderate the behaviors and also find something to replace those addictions with. Yeah. Find, find what, are the, what are the triggers to the things that you're addicted to? Can we send Emma a book? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. What, what book do you want to send her? Uh, let's send Emma. Um, let's send her Atomic Habits. Okay. From James Clear. Yeah. Uh, because it, it's it doesn't it speaks to habits, but for me, the book it does a really good job of showing, especially people with addictive personalities, how to channel those addictions into good things or that that personality into a good thing. As we talked about on the podcast earlier, there's a difference between addiction and obsession. So maybe maybe a better way said is this book from James Clear. It helps to. It helps you to turn and uh, turn f- turn from addictions mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, turn towards obsessions. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I th- or just turn, healthy obsessions. Yeah, and just turn it into to good habits. Ultimately, is that yeah. What ultimately, yeah. Because a habit itself is not inherently good. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom had a habit, a smoking habit, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that is a habit. And you have these certain triggers, like with smoking. It's like, oh well, a meal triggers waking up first thing in the morning triggers the first cigarette having a cup of coffee is a trigger for a cigarette yeah. going to the bar is a trigger for a cigarette yeah. now you can do one of two things you can replace your triggers mm-hmm. and 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 or avoid the old triggers and put mm-hmm. new triggers in place or you can take that same trigger and say this triggers something different now you reset the habit mm-hmm. and i know james talks a, a little bit about that there's also a, a essay on our website called simple triggers mm. that i think you'll find some value in it's about replacing some of the triggers in our life and one of the examples i use is um in order to do i do about 60 pull-ups a day most days mm-hmm. and I don't do them all at once because I can't do 60 pull-ups in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'll do is anytime I'm going to my bathroom, mm-hmm. there is a pull-up bar between my bedroom and the bathroom. Yeah. And I walk in the bathroom and I just do six pull-ups. Right. If I do the, if I go to the bathroom 10 times in a day, you know, first thing in the morning, whatever, by, by the end of the day, I've done about 60 pull-ups, right? Yeah. And it's that new trigger. Just going to the bathroom is, is a trigger. I, I, that first started for me when we moved to Montana back in 2012, and I put the uh, pull-up bar at the bottom of the stairs. Right. Because every time I had to come, uh, my room was upstairs, and right. the room was down. Every time I had to come downstairs to go to the bathroom or the kitchen or whatever, I would just do six pull-ups real quick. Yeah. And it was a new trigger for me. So establishing these new triggers will give you some empowering habits to carry forward. Dude, that makes me think of uh, an essay that Leo wrote on uh, on zenhabits.net. Sean, you're going to have to look up the link and put it in the, in the notes. I think it's zenhabits.net forward slash puppy. But the the essay, the essay is is uh, it's 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 titled something like "Train Yourself Like a Puppy," and it sounds really patronizing at first, but it is this beautiful essay on how to 
do exactly what you're talking about, how to, how to set these triggers in your mind that uh, encourage you to do good things. Good yeah, it's the, the sort of Pavlovian uh, yeah. uh, response yep. to these, these triggers. All right, our final Patreon question. I like doing a, a couple of these questions here for Patreon. Yes, yeah, is just, great. Just to say thank you. The, the shorter regular episodes, but then we get to dive in a little bit deeper here on Patreon. Let our hair down. <laughs> right, uh, Garrett says, "How does one overcome food addiction, namely binge eating due to stress?" Dude, okay, Garrett, I'm gonna send you. We need to send Garrett Atomic Habits also. Okay, <laughs> the, first and foremost, you got to learn how to how to incorporate better habits. And uh, eating is is definitely can be a bad habit if you turn it into a bad habit. Well, especially when when your trigger is stress, right? Mm. And so for me, I I changed. I radically changed how I eat. Yeah. Um, I eat a simpler diet. I eat real foods. Um, and so for me, I do better with fasting than I do dieting, quite literally and figuratively. Here. Right. And what I mean by that is there are foods I just say no to. I, I don't eat processed foods. Right. I don't eat gluten. I don't eat dairy. Mm-hmm. Uh, those three changes alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you would include sugar in that right? because sugar is a processed food, right? Yeah. Uh, anything with added sugars, I don't eat. Um, those three things alone, because here's the thing, you're not just talking about not eating anymore. Let's say you get really stressed. Okay. What if you, what if you get stressed and you go eat some uh, uh, kale? Mm-hmm. What if, if, you're, if stress is a trigger to eat, it's about mm-hmm. replacing that food with something that is that is healthy. What do you eat a can of sardines? Right. Uh, some wild planet sardines are incredibly healthy. Mm-hmm. What if you go eat some fish or some salmon roe? Yeah. Now, you're not going to be able to eat much salmon roe. You're going to get two or three spoonfuls in. You're like, all right, I think I'm done. Mm-hmm. So for me, it had, had a lot more to do with saying no to certain foods. And I don't indulge on, on, on those foods because I have an unhealthy relationship with food. I t- one last thing I'll, I'll tell Garrett here is I no longer treat food as entertainment. I know that's difficult yeah. for some people. Uh, yeah and it's funny because because we got to be clear on what that means because i can tell you someone who is who is starving they go and buy rice and beans i know people who go buy rice and beans and they're like so happy mm -hmm. to eat so we're not talking about that's not entertainment right yeah we're not we're not talking yeah we're not talking about uh being sustained we're not talking about having foods that we enjoy having you know some fresh berries or whatever it may be yeah. uh what we're talking about is literally looking at food as a source of entertainment yeah you, as opposed to what it should be which is a source of nourishment right a source of energy mm-hmm. and then figure out what is the appropriate diet for you i mean we, we've had rich roll on the podcast our good friend rich he mm-hmm. is a plant-based athlete uh, one of the healthiest fittest people i yeah. know i know for me a vegan diet doesn't work for me personally yeah um and i mean i found that out and and after you're know, working with many doctors but i still will eat plants that nourish my body uh, for me i had to add meat into uh, in, into the mix here but uh, generally hormone free meat and uh i find for me that a balanced diet has more to do with cutting out the the bad things mm-hmm. and then you play with what 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 works around the edges for you yeah and i think i think with any, with any of these addictions too man um and james clear talks about in his in his book atomic habits like uh oh actually no i'm sorry oh he does but leo touches on this too if you want like a condensed version something simple um and will leave you thirsting for more then you can go to james clear's book but but in that puppy training method 
um, you know, when a, when a puppy, if you're trying to get a puppy to do a certain action, okay, and it, it only does half of the action or three quarters, it just, just doesn't do exactly what you want, you still, you still can reward the puppy for almost doing what, what, what they're doing. Uh, the reason why I'm saying this is because a lot of times we will fall short. We, we were talking about on the podcast how, you know, you get these sober, these uh, sobriety chips from AA. And right. if you're sober for a year, you get a one year chip. But then on that day after a year, if you drink, you go all the way back to day one. And that is, that can be unhealthy. That can actually discourage us from, from uh, changing these habits or, or changing these addictions. So, you know, if you, if you, you know, Garrett, if you go and really try to change your eating habits and you screw up one day, like don't beat yourself up, man. Yeah. Like it's okay to screw up. The, the idea is you want to lose less and win more. You're still probably going to lose in the process. And with any addiction, man, like that for me, like <laughs> drugs being the worst addiction I've ever had to go through that discomfort of, of, of withdrawal is um it's 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 so uncomfortable um uh and then my food addiction i had i didn't even realize i had it man at the beginning of this year when i found out that i was really close to type 2 diabetes yeah and i cut out um processed sugars i mean i cut out all the carbs and then i start for months dude i was angry man mm. and i and look like i'm not angry anymore but for like two or three months like not having those carbs, not having those sugars, yeah. like it was really, really uncomfortable. Yeah. So um, uh, again, I'm just saying, like, there a expect to go through this major discomfort. Um, you've got to you've got to be focused on what's on the other side, but don't beat yourself up if if you kind of take a step back. You just you want to focus on winning more than you're losing. Totally agree with that. Last thing I'll add is if you're someone who struggles like me, if you struggle with moderation then it's often much easier to just say no like here create a no list what is your list that you have things you yeah. can't eat right and that way when you do get stressed and you go for food you just know like oh no this is not something i'm allowed to eat i can't mm -hmm. eat candy i can't eat uh bread i mm -hmm. can't eat dairy Wh whatever these things are whatever's on your no list you can eat and then you can say yes to whatever's not on your no list and you'll feel good because you're making healthier decisions yeah the minimalists <laughs>